0: I met no friend of yours. Oh? Owen Jenkins.
1: Oh. Owen! Now there's a blast from the past.
0: Do you remember him? He remembers you if I remember him. He had the longest nose hair in the free world. Well, he doesn't now. He hardly has any hair anywhere.
1: Owen's been gone from Chickabin Parish since God was a boy. I'd forgotten it ever existed. Well, now he lives in Monroe and goes to First Presbyterian. When he
0: found out where I was from, he asked me if I knew you. He used to live in Ohio somewhere. His wife just died recently. He's moved back down here. Does this story have a point? No, not really. He just remembers you fondly, I think. Well, I can't imagine why. He was not a bad fellow. But I managed to run him off and marry the first of two total deadbeats. Well, maybe sometime I could arrange for us all to get together. Maybe not. Well, why not? Shelby. I managed in a few decades to marry the two most worthless men in the universe and then proceeded to have the three most ungrateful children ever conceived. The only reason people are nice to me is because I have more money than God. Now, I'm not about to open a new can of worms. Weezer. What? If this is really how you feel, it and not Maybe you should think about coming down to the guidance center and talking to someone with that help. I'm not crazy, Melinda. I've just been in a very bad mood for 40
2: years. Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, and I'm your host for the 80s flick flashback podcast, where we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics, to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter what flick we choose from week to week, we'll have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. So let's jump right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Since its release over three decades ago, this 80s flick has been hailed as a celebration of women. In his original review of the film, Roger Ebert raved about the dialogue and camaraderie of the dynamic ensemble cast. There may be no movie that better epitomizes the bond of female friendship Huffington Post declared in 2014. Mothers share the film with their daughters, teen girls turn it on as a sleepover staple, and men of all ages find themselves taken with the tale of six brassy southern ladies. So grab a slice of armadillo-shaped red velvet cake and take a seat in one of Truvi's salon chairs as Bethany Wells and I discuss Steel Magnolias from 1989 on this episode of the 80s flick Flashback. Welcome in, everybody. So glad you're listening to this episode of the 80s Flashback. I'm so excited to have uh, multiple guest co-hosts, but first time without her husband, Laramie, Miss <laughs> Bethany Wells. Welcome hi, in, Bethany.
0: Hi, Tim. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good. So good. this is a movie that Bethany specifically requests. She's like, you're doing 80s movies. You have to do Still Magnolias.
0: <laughs> you have to do Still Magnolias. And I am an a legal expert. You know, they say you've got to You've got to do ten thousand hours. go you right. to study something for ten thousand hours. Yes. Yes. I'm I'm way past that. So I'm yeah. a certified expert on steel magnolias.
2: Yeah, I, and honestly, I didn't dig very deep in the research because I'm like everything I'm going to say. Bethany probably knows and probably knows more about. So <laughs> I may just be sitting back and just let you go for it. I'm just I'm just going to oh, be the, the silent bystander. No, but uh, but we do have a connection with this uh, this movie somewhat because about what a year it? ago, or a little over a year ago. Uh, the theater that we're both involved in did a stage production. Yes, called the Henry yes, Players. I'm, if you're in the Henry County area, please come and see a show. Uh, and I'm
0: wearing the Steel Magnolia shirt right now.
2: Oh, got uh, she's got it. She's got it down. So yeah. so we were both involved in that production. Neither one of us on stage. I actually ran no. sound, and you were the stage manager for that one. Is that right?
0: I was, and yes. I'm including that in my 10,000 hours. That's yes. at least half of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so so we we know the stage show pretty well. I would think yeah. so. Because uh, I, maybe I didn't see it as many times as she did. But uh, <laughs> going back and watching this, a lot of the dialogue I knew way ahead of time before it was coming up. Because it does it does uh, stay very true to the stage play for the most part, at least dialogue-wise.
0: It so. does. I was actually surprised with that because, I mean, I had seen the movie a million times before I finally saw the show. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked with even though there are no male characters in the movie or in mm-hmm. the play right i was i was surprised 99% of the dialogues all still in there
1: <laughs> right
0: now what is your I, i'm going to take over the reins a little bit okay, what is go. your history with steel magnolias uh i really
2: don't have much of one like i i'm pretty sure that this movie was on um on cable tv when i was a teenager cuz this coming out in 89 Mm-hmm. was probably on cable, you know, in the early 90s, like 90, 91. And so I was right in that middle school age. So this wasn't really in my genre of films that I was really involved in at that point. But I, I, I guess, think I had. I guess that's yeah, fair. Yeah. I think I had memories of my mom watching it and my sister or maybe like having friends over on a Sunday afternoon. Like, oh, it's going to be on. HBO or whatever you know channel was on at that point, and you know having friends over, so there are certain scenes that I remembered. Like I remember seeing this, or you know it 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 maybe saw it in a clip show or something like that. But I was like I'd seen bits and pieces, but honestly, I think today was the first time I've actually seen it all the way through.
0: Oh, what a treat for you! Yes, so like back (laughs)
2: back when we did after I didn't watch it while we did the show, but after the show finished, I said I want to watch the movie, and I I had like a I was able to get a free rental or something. But uh, I started it, I got like an hour, almost like an hour and a half into it. And then my wife came home, she's like, hey, I want to watch that with you. I was like, okay, I'll wait and finish it when you're ready. And by the time she was ready to <laughs> sit down and watch it, my 48 hours had expired. So I was oh, like, well, no. just wait. So today she was going to watch it with me, but she fell asleep. But it's been a crazy weekend, so...
0: <laughs> I I understand that completely. Um, for me, Steel Magnolias has always been on at my house. Mm-hmm. It's one of my mom's favorite movies. She shared it with me, kind of like you mentioned in your intro. Mm-hmm. Um, she will randomly send me a text. She'll randomly send me a text mm-hmm. with a quote from the movie. Oh, okay, yeah. I have I have a couple of them on my phone saved... One of them is, um, this shirt attracts everything but men and money.
2: Right, right.
0: And then, um, men are horrible creatures. You mark my words, they will ruin your life. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, don't try to get on my good side. I no longer have one. Right, Just randomly. I'll just get that randomly from my mother sometimes. And (laughs) it puts a smile on both of our faces.
2: Right, right, exactly. So, when was the last time you watched it before watching it for the podcast?
0: Oh, no. Well, see, it's one of those movies where it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter that I know it backwards and forwards. I sob crying every single time. Oh, yeah. And so, I kind of have to watch it sparingly. So, I probably watched it sometime around when we were doing the show. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, I told myself I couldn't do this show without asking my mom about her history. Oh, okay, with yeah. watching the movie. Yeah. So I got her to send me a short little thing. Awesome. And it actually got me a little teared up. <laughs> so uh, she goes, the first time I watched it was on VHS, and it was not long after my dad had passed away. Mm. The whole removing of the life support from Shelby hit me really hard. Something Malin said about life goes on. I remember coming home from his funeral, and you and Mary, who's my sister, were babies Mm -hmm. having to do all the mommy stuff and thinking, I just buried my dad today, but having to keep going because life goes on. And uh, one of the things she said that was uh, important to her was it's the women supporting each other, despite all their differences, Mm -hmm. walks of life that they come from was so inspirational to me. There is not a day that goes by that a situation comes up. And I think how about applicable lines from Steel Magnolia's. Wow! And so it's, it's just something, it's very special. When I was watching it for this show, I was texting her back and forth <laughs> and I'm just like, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen this movie. I'm still sitting here just sobbing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, I, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Sorry. The older I've gotten, the more things like the, it hits me differently. Oh yeah. Different Definitely. things hit me differently.
2: Yeah. I was going to say like, even watching the show, like even the last couple of nights, you know, there's certain points that show where, like, you can't help but be moved. You can't help but, you know, the, the emotions rise up. And, you know...
0: I'm so, chills thinking about it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it definitely... And I'm sure this would be a movie that I'll watch again. Uh, it's, it's hard for me because seeing the play first, of course, I have to compare it to the play. Mm-hmm. And so... And I think the run that we had was very special. I mean, each one of those it cast was. members were phenomenal. Everybody it, brought their A game. I and mean, it was just... It was a beautiful. top-notch show, uh, you know, if we do say so ourselves, even though we were, you know, because <laughs> we were yeah. a part of it. But
0: And I feel like I can say it um, unbiasedly, because I had auditioned to be in the show oh, okay. and wasn't selected. But I right. said, no, I have to be a part of telling yeah. the story. Oh, yeah. Please, I'll do anything. I'll carry <laughs> one item backstage. <laughs> but right. let, me, let me be a part of it. And I ended up stage managing. So yeah. it was very special.
2: Yeah. We did a great job, stage manager. Oh
0: thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> it felt it felt good. It's been a long time since I'd stage managed, so that
2: was fun. All right. Well, let's jump into the story origin and pre production. So there really wasn't a whole lot that I found online, and I'm sure you probably with your expert opinion can fill in any of the any of the blanks. But uh, but I'll read what I have and then you can just jump in and, and correct any mistakes. So Okay. The story itself is based on Robert Harling's real-life experience of the death of his sister, Susan Harling Robinson, in 1985 of complications from type 1 diabetes. He changed his sister's name in the story from Susan to Shelby Eatonton-Latchery. A writer friend continuously encouraged him to write it down in order to come to terms with the experience. He did, but originally as a short story for his nephew, then later to get an understanding of the deceased mother. It evolved in 10 days into the play. That play broke records at the Lucille Lortel Theater in Manhattan, where it ran almost three years. It has since been performed in dozens of countries, including Sweden, South Africa, India, South Korea, and Japan. Less than a year into the play's run, the legendary producer Ray Stark bought the film rights. Stark had made the hit movie The Way We Were, and the plays he'd made into movies included Funny Girl, Stark not only understood strong women, he also had a long working relationship with Herbert Ross, with whom he'd done eight films, including Funny Lady. Ross was hired as the director. Now, I know you already have some uh, dirt on the director, <laughs> if I can say that, or we yes. we know he's not your favorite director, based on, well, well at least for this, this film, it
0: seems. For this film, I, I don't know him personally. Right. There was a lot of things that I read online, and I had read previously that he had a really terrible working re- relationship with the female actors. Yes. Um there's a there's a very famous quote where he was telling Dolly Parton mm-hmm. how how she could not act. Right. And her response to him was, I know I can't, but you're the director. You're supposed to make me look like I can Right, right. Yeah, I saw that. Um and he he was constantly tearing the women down. At one point he left Julie Roberts in tears. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I told you um, earlier, I tried to watch it with the commentary on, but it was just him talking. And in the first 10 minutes of the movie, all he did was talk about the male contributors to the movie and how great they were and what a pleasure it was to work with them. And then how this was such a big deal for um, Julie Roberts. It was her first big right. movie. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure she had done Mystic Pizza by this yeah, point. Yeah, she had
2: just... she Yeah, but that was a supporting role. So this was her first kind of more of a starring okay. role. So yeah.
0: And then how Dolly Parton had never been in a movie that what that the part wasn't written specifically for Correct, her. Correct, right. And, and then this little gem, he was talking about Olympia Dukakis. Mm-hmm. She had never been in a movie where she didn't play someone ethnic.
1: No, wow.
0: And uh, how, what's her name? Oh, no. Her name just left my brain. Um, Daryl Hannah. Mm -hmm. How Daryl Hannah, um, it was a big role for her because she was playing a character part. Mm -hmm. I'm like, she was in Splash, (laughs) dude. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And then I, I finally had to cut it off when he was talking about how they had originally filmed some scene where um daryl hannah's character was changing to go out somewhere but they had to cut it because daryl hannah's body was so beautiful <laughs> that um it was distracting mm-hmm. and i'm just like okay dude just shut <laughs> I-, I told you i said he was such a boob i couldn't right. handle it
2: i'm very surprised for for a movie commentary that you wouldn't have any of those actresses for that commentary i mean you know grant maybe they just you know they didn't want to do it with him if that was the kind of the deal breaker or uh
0: yeah either that or it's just the dvd copy that i have right. doesn't have their commentary yeah, included yeah. i didn't
2: i didn't dig too deep on, on different versions i just rented it i rented a digital copy and i didn't look to see if there was any special features on there so
0: I own it on DVD, Mm. um, and (laughs) when the show was going on, I had a moment where I'm like, oh, I just really need to watch the movie. Sometimes I get into those movies. I just need to watch Steel Magnolias, Mm. and I went to go looking for it, and I couldn't find it anywhere, and I got angry because I realized (laughs) I had let um, my sister-in-law borrow it. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I I instantly started just, like, texting her saying, you need to give it back. Do you still have it? Where is it? You're going to need to bring it to me now. Wow.
1: Yeah. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads.
2: If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas?
1: Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas special.
2: Plus classics shown every year.
1: You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers,
2: and Cabbage Patch Kids.
1: Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagging with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle,
2: and Chant with the Littles.
1: So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories.
2: Later, dudes. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the casting. Well, I think we'll we'll, we'll kind of hit uh, on the director a few times during this part. So, so after the film rights were purchased from Robert Harling, the screenplay was forwarded to Shirley MacLaine by Herbert Ross, who told her to read the script and decide which character she was interested in playing outside of the mother or daughter. MacLaine chose the antagonist Weezer. She explained her choice by saying, I think I was rehearsing from my old age. I was seeing if I could get away with saying what I negatively felt and still be funny. And I think she accomplished <laughs> that pretty well. So,
0: She is perfection. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love Weezer. I just want to be her when I grow up. <laughs> every day, every day, yeah. I I get so frustrated with things. And I say, one day, one day, I'm going to be old enough to where I can say the things in my head. hmm and people are just going to look at me and be like, oh, she's just an old lady. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> she does have some of the best lines. And one of my favorites. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah, thinking about that is, you know, talking about that character, like when I get old being this. But like, you know, she brings in all the tomatoes. And uh, I think Anel <laughs> says, why do you have tomatoes if you don't eat them? She was like, because I'm an old Southern woman. We wear funny hats and we grow stuff out of the dirt, <laughs> you know.
0: Yes. So We wear all ugly dresses and old mm-hmm. hats. and that oh, so yeah. beautiful. No, I love, uh, I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure my mother has described a man by saying that he must be a real gentleman. He must take the dishes out of the sink before he yeah, pees yeah. in it.
2: That That's one of the best, <clears throat> that was one of the best lines for sure. Uh, that guy would oh, yeah. laugh every time, so.
0: <laughs> she's, her character, it's just, she's the comic relief. Mm-hmm. She and um, Claire Rhee play with each other mm-hmm. so perfectly. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it it really when you're it, the movie goes from you feeling just terrible mm-hmm. and you're sobbing, and you can't catch your breath, you're crying so hard to you're laughing so hard, you're crying, oh yeah. yeah, in a split second, and it's the two of them mm-hmm. back and forth, and it's not just the lines, it's their chemistry with each other, mm-hmm. it's it's the way they deliver it, it's just beautiful. <laughs>
2: yeah uh what i thought was interesting and i was reading uh one of the articles they interviewed um harling and he was talking about when it was actually a play and they were start first starting the first run that all the actresses treated it as if it was a drama they didn't treat it as a comedy at all they were playing everything 100 percent straight and they were shocked the first night how funny like people were laughing at certain things they just they weren't thinking about it they weren't they didn't approach it as a comedy. They totally approached it as a drama. And because it was genuine, I think it made it even more funny where they weren't playing for laughs and making a goofy. They were just being that character. And so, uh, but I think, like you said, that that's what makes it special, the play and the movie, is that it mixes so well that, you know, the the heart and the drama and, the, like you said, just the tear-jerking moments. And then as soon as you start to cry, then there's something that's said that's completely outrageous and funny and takes you, you know, takes you out of it. So,
0: Right. Well, I mean, it's one of those things that reminds me of sitting around a kitchen table with my aunts. Mm-hmm. Because we'll go from talking about something very serious, something about our past, or something that's going on that's got us kind of heartbroken. And then someone will crack a joke. Mm-hmm. And we will just start laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it's real. That's what's real. Because life is not all drama. Right. Life is not all comedy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's both, and they're right <laughs> next to each other. Right, right.
2: Well, speaking of Clary, you mentioned we'll talk about Olympia Dukakis. Uh, she had just won an Oscar for Moonstruck. And uh, Ray oh, called Harling and said, Olympia's doing Clary. Harling knew Olympia from her work in New York theater, so he knew she could do anything but was worried about she wasn't Southern. He said, Shirley was from Virginia. Sally had done Places in the Heart of Norma Ray. And then, of course, there's Dolly. But when Olympia came down, all the women in town thought she had the most accurate accent.
0: She sure did <laughs> like to really think about like what her real mm-hmm. accent is. Oh, yeah. And then what she when I Cause you know, I grew up watching steel magnolias right. finding out later that she was not an old Southern woman, <laughs> just like, you know, my aunt Kelly. Right. Right. It was shocking. She, she's got this air. We all know that person. If you live in the South and I'm oh, sure yeah, in yeah. other places, but if you live in the South, there's that woman She's she doesn't care because she's too rich to care, <laughs> right? And she can do whatever she wants, and she can get away with whatever she mm-hmm. wants. She needs that. She needs that Weezer friend to kind of bring her down a peg right, or two. Right. They're they're good. They're good yin and yang. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So moving right along, we'll talk about one one of on the list of Bethany's national treasures. Let's talk about Dolly Parton. <laughs> Oh, Dolly, my favorite. So Dolly was perfect for the role of beauty shop owner, Truvy. The role was actually written Mm -hmm. for someone else entirely, an actress named Margot Martindale. Harling and Martindale were friends in real life, and he wrote the part specifically for her. And she originated the role of Truvy in the play's off-Broadway debut. Uh, One funny story about uh, Dolly, even when a Christmas scene filmed during the southern August heat required her to swelter in a (laughs) cashmere sweater... Julia Roberts said, Dolly, we're dying and you never say a word. Why don't you let loose? Dolly very sincerely smiled and said, when I was young and had nothing, I wanted to be rich and famous and now I am. So I'm not going to complain about anything. And that, ladies and gentlemen,
0: oh, is why treasure. she's a national treasure. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love her so much. I'm going to cry. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm not going to be able to talk about this movie very critically because I just, it holds the most special place in my heart. Um First of all, Dolly Parton, she paid for the Moderna vaccine. I know she wasn't the only mm-hmm. one who paid for it, but she put a lot of money into right, it. Right. And she made a statement saying, I am not going to be the first one out there. I don't think I'm special. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to cut the line. I'm going to get it when I can, right. but I am going to get it and blah, blah, blah. Just the idol we should all <laughs> live up to be, Mrs. Dolly Parton. Right. Um, <laughs>
2: and Dolly, we're still waiting for you, you know, to uh, make an appearance on a show, you're welcome anytime.
0: I would sit quietly and just watch. <laughs> I wouldn't say a word. I promise. I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to speak. Um, so Dolly Parton's character Truvie, So in the play, in in case anyone doesn't know, it all takes place in Truvy's shop. Right. Mm-hmm. There's only there's only the six female characters, and there's only um, it only takes place in her shop, and it's scenes Mm -hmm. Um, she she runs her own business now in the movie they add the whole um, her having the issue with her Mm -hmm. husband her wanting to kind of connect and it's that end of the 80s Reaganomics men are uh, he's out Mm -hmm. of work and he doesn't feel good about himself and it's real Mm -hmm. I mean it's a real relationship like they clearly still love each other but he's in a depression, mm-hmm. which they're not going to talk about in the eighties. And it's, it's a very sweet moment. And then, you know, I also crying through tears is my favorite emotion.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
0: she's got she's second best in some of these oh, lines. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. But, yeah, I was gonna say, but it's, you know, it's really Weezer and Truvy have the best. Like one-liners or the kind of the zingers you would say, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah,
0: and and Clary, to yeah, be honest, she has a Clary few too. too yeah. Because I I also say regularly if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit mm-hmm. by me. Oh
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so just sorry <laughs> that that's going to be half your podcast today, Tim. Is <laughs> steal magnolia lines. <laughs> But anyway, so Dolly Parton's character, she's the heart of mm-hmm. it. She is literally the one who brings everyone right, together. Right? Exactly. Yeah. These people wouldn't know each other or interact with each other if it weren't for the fact that they all come to the same mm-hmm. shop. Why? Why on earth would Melin have anything to do with Weezer? <laughs> they would. None of them would have anything to do with Annel right. if it weren't for Truvi's shop. Exactly. And. And no, she doesn't have a, a huge arc in the stor- the overall mm-hmm. story, but she's the heart of the friendship. She is what keeps them all together. Mm-hmm. She brings them all together in the play. And I, I, I go back and forth. Once I saw the play, I do like that it's not that the big breakdown from Malin comes at the funeral mm-hmm. by the graveside, it. She comes to them. She comes home mm-hmm. to Truvy's shop to be with her mm-hmm. friends, to be where she's loved and comforted and understood. It's just. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time, Tim. I can't talk bad about it. There's nothing wrong. It's a perfect film.
2: <laughs> well, we know where you stand. Okay, let's continue with the casting. We'll get we'll get some more. Okay. Tearful moments as we go, I'm sure. Okay. So. uh... I'm sure you knew this. Winona Ryder was one of the first actresses the producers brought in to read for the main character, Shelby. However, the actress was only 16 at the time. And though they liked her, she was far too young to adequately portray the role, which Mm -hmm. I agree. The producers had. Yeah. Yeah. Quit.
0: No, I agree. That's really all I was going to say. She's she's so young because she I mean, Shelby's supposed to be young. She's supposed to be like early, early 20s. And so the fact that she's getting married in the South, while that's not. Entirely strange. <laughs> At least in the '80s, it was getting to be a bit more strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like.
2: Yeah. I mean, she could she could have tried to play older, but I, I just mm-hmm. I. I eh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Moving on. Mm-hmm. The producers had another well-known actress in mind after the decision to nix Wy- Wyona, Wynona. Gosh, I can't say a word tonight. <laughs> but casting Shelby would prove to be more difficult than they originally thought. The first actress the producers officially cast as Shelby was Meg Ryan. However, the agreement had only Ooh. been verbal. Without a signed contract, Meg was free with well, uh, Meg was still free to take on a different movie, which he ended up doing. Producers were scouting locations when they found out Meg had signed on for another little film from nineteen eighty nine called When Harry Met Sally. So
0: one of my favorite rom coms I agree of all the time. It's probably
2: was probably up there in my top five, if not my top two um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I couldn't see Meg Ryan in that role either. Um,
0: I think she would have done a good job. It would have been a different part. Mm-hmm. She would have done a different role. Yeah. Her trail, She would but, have approached um, it differently. Yeah. Yes. But I think she would have done a good job. I would have been interested to hear her accent. I don't know if I've ever yeah, heard Meg yeah. Ryan do a I mean, Southern that, accent.
2: That's kind of the same thing Here, with both Winona and Meg Ryan. They seem, I couldn't see them Portraying the Southernness enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, even thinking about Winona in uh, Edward Scissorhands, which I just recently yeah. rewatched, I mean, she kind of plays that kind of uh, suburban, uh, kind of Midwest kind of a character. So she was mm-hmm. able to kind of break through some of the more New York stuff she's done before. But uh, I, I think, don't know.
0: I think both of them would have been able to do it. Winona would have had to be older. Right. That right. just wouldn't have played well, mm-hmm. especially because Winona Ryder looked. Very, very yes. young for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And then Meg Ryan, I think, would have done a good job. Like I said, it all just would have been very different from what Julia Roberts eventually right. ended up doing. Right.
2: So, yeah, so Julie Roberts was the third choice, but Harling recalled the moment he knew she was destined to portray the character based on his sister, Shelby. He divulged to uh, one of the news outlets, Julia came in and it was like somebody bumped up the lights. She smiled oh. that smile. She was the essence of the great Southern gal, spicy, witty, smart, with a layer of compassion underneath. Harling continued to say he felt reassured knowing that his sister would be played by Roberts in the film.
0: I'm trying not to cry.
2: (laughs) I saw you. I saw you. You can't see it on the podcast, but she was was fanning her eyes with her fingers. I'm like, she just won the Miss America pageant. Like, please, I can't, I can't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, um, she does such a good job, and especially you know towards the end of the movie when you you can see it in her eyes Mm -hmm. it's that it's that mom thing you do when you're sick but you still got a lot of stuff you've got to do and Mm -hmm. you're just trying to push it back give me a second um
2: as you push it back
0: (laughs) honestly hmm, that scene um once i became a parent Mm -hmm. that scene where it's halloween And she realizes something is wrong Mm -hmm. and it's, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's alone with her son. Mm -hmm. I just, I cannot imagine how terrifying that would be as a parent.
1: Right. To be like.
0: I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She's trying to call her husband and it clearly she's like in the process of calling her husband mm-hmm. and she does such a good job all the way leading up to it. You yeah. can see it in her face, in her body language. Mm-hmm. Just, she knows something's going on. She plays it so well.
2: Yeah. And I noticed it, especially in this one and even the scene in the, and we will get to our favorite scenes, but this, you know, I'll, I'll read references again, but, uh, the scene in the shop with opening when she has the first, uh, you know, I guess spell, uh, diabetic mm-hmm. spell, or whatever you want to call it. But even like a few minutes before that, you can see that she's starting to show some signs. And of course, knowing the play so well, I knew it was coming, but I picked up on those. It was very subtle. She wasn't overplaying it, it wasn't close ups or anything to say, like, ooh, something bad's about to happen. You can just see how her demeanor just changes very slightly for a few minutes before it really comes on. And I just, you know, once again, I just I thought that was fantastic of, of her portrayal of that.
0: When we were blocking that scene Mm -hmm. for the play, I remember that being the conversation was, what do we do? Because people are diabetic. That's not an unheard of illness. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you have to make sure is you don't want to, you don't want to be disrespectful to someone. Right. You don't want to be up there acting a fool Mm -hmm. and someone in the audience be like, no, that is not what happens. Right. Um, and so I feel like Julia Roberts did such a great job mm-hmm. of It was very subtle and she she establishes very early on Shelby is stubborn. Mm-hmm. She wants things done her way. Mm-hmm. And 90% per- like her whole performance when she's in that, she's having her episode. Mm-hmm. But at the same time you can tell, the Shelby in her is still fighting to remain in control. Mm-hmm. She's still fighting with her mother about, I'm, <laughs> just get me my purse. Get me my purse. Right. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. Wh- what are you going to do? What you mm-hmm. going to do?
1: Yeah.
0: And it's, she does a really good job. And it goes back to the director was a real jerk mm-hmm. and would tell her all the time, she's a terrible actress. She can't act. Would leave her in tears.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But... I just she was beautiful she was perfect I know that girl like right at the end of the day when it came to all of these characters you looked at them and you said I know that person mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah that's so-and-so that's mm-hmm. so-and-so right. You see them they played them very realistically
2: yeah yeah, so I agree. I mean, and, and I was I was about to read the whole thing you just said about you know the the, oh. the director. No, no, you're good. The director, you know, moving her to tears and and really hard. He was. It seems like when I read, he was specifically hard on Dolly Parton and Julia Roberts more so than the others. And I think they said because they had dealt with directors like him before, so they knew this was just his way of you know kind of trying establishing to establishing dominance, yeah, or trying to pull a certain performance out of them. Um, and so. I think
0: also, and it it, it kind of comes into he he knew who he could get away with things. Right. right. Dolly Parton and Julia Roberts were the less um
2: seasoned sort
0: of, seasoned. Yeah, mm-hmm. they didn't have quite as much experience mm-hmm. as the rest of the cast, right? And so it it comes to like a bully on the playground. Mm-hmm. You're not going to pick on the kid. That has a whole bunch of friends and knows Taekwondo, mm-hmm. you're going to pick on this kid over here who just got here. Right. And right. doesn't know anybody and, you know, has an inhaler. Yeah. That's who you pick on. Right. You're going to pick on the weakest one in the bu- in the bunch.
2: Right. And I think it was said that Shirley McLean is the one that finally went to him and basically just told him off and said, you know, you know. I forget the words. I probably had some language that we're not going to say on this podcast, but what she said to him. And so, and then they said things seemed to calm down at that point. But uh, I like the line said, Roberts, Roberts had the last laugh uh, when she was the only actress nominated for an Oscar.
0: Uh, And she earned it. Oh yeah. Granted, I think all of them should have been individually handed an Oscar for whatever. I don't (laughs) care what, just give them something. Yeah. Because, you know, this is a movie from my, child i I can't even say my childhood my entire life Mm -hmm. you know when i was a kid i watched it because my mom watched it when i was a teenager i watched it because (laughs) i was finally like starting to pay attention to it now as an adult i watch it as a a mother and a woman Mm -hmm. and it's it still hits i can't wait to watch it once i'm even in the next stage of life Mm -hmm.
2: oh yeah and when your daughters can watch it and understand a little bit oh, more of what <laughs> I
0: cannot wait. I'm so excited.
2: So so yeah, I agree. I think well i am I I w I'm I'm gonna be I'm not, not dissing the movie in any way, shape or form, but I wouldn't I, I would say the two actresses I think would be definitely Oscar worthy is Roberts for sure, but Sally Field, who oh I'm gonna gosh. say right now, before you can, add her to the list, Sally Field is a national, national treasure. treasure. <laughs>
0: beautiful she oh my gosh every
2: scene and especially the scenes of them together it's it's magic it's magic on screen and it's just watching two phenomenal actresses in at the top of their craft so now just you're gonna do it. don't start crying because i'm gonna start crying
0: <laughs> i have a strict policy that no one will cry in my, alone in my presence so um.
2: i would have to put a warning at the beginning of this podcast this episode <laughs> was like make sure you have tissue available so, but anyway, let's talk about Sally Field. Uh, I'll let you okay. get. I'll get you get your thoughts. So, as Sally Field was complaint, not nah, not complaining, as Sally Field was campaigning for the chance to play Malin, Shelby's mother and still Magnolias. Producers had one concern about the actress playing the role. Shelby was intended to be roughly twenty two years old at the start of the film. The team thought Sally was too young to have a twenty two year old child, but she had a trump card up her sleeve. She pointed out to the producers that her own son just happened to be. 22 years of a 22 years of age they relented and she won the role so
0: hallelujah thank goodness <laughs> it starts my tears start when she's in the hospital and mm-hmm. she won't leave her side because mm-hmm. all i can think is if that were my baby mm-hmm. that's all i could i couldn't leave her side mm-hmm. even if i knew and okay hold on it's her whole lead-up. She's this stoic, strong woman. Mm-hmm. We all know them. We're related to that woman, right, right? You and I are both Southern. We know this woman,
2: <laughs> right? Right.
0: It's it's your mom. It's your aunt. Mm-hmm. She's strong. She knows her business. She you respect her, mm-hmm. and then but then her baby. Oh gosh, that line. I could run to texas and back mm-hmm. but my daughter can't mm-hmm. she never could
2: right right mm. or or I the don't. and i'm i'm gonna butcher the line you could probably fix it for me but the line that always got me was i was there when she was it wafered into my world and i was there when she don't don't start <laughs> but you know but it but you know that I was there i was ahead.
0: there when that beautiful creature entered the world and I was there when she left it. Mm. It was the most precious moment of my life. Yeah,
2: that's it. So I mean, that's that. I mean, let, let's just be honest. That's the sentiment of any parent who has mm-hmm. lost a child. And that, and and I've heard it said many times. No parent wants to bury their child. No parent no, wants to bury no their child. No parent
0: should. Should exactly. No parent should.
2: And so it it does. And like I said, as an as a parent now watching, like if I would have seen this when I was 11, 12, when it first came out. That would have I would have been like, ah, she's just being over dramatic. But yeah. Now as a parent, it's like I'm I feel all those feels. I understand the 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 weight of those words and what that really means. So
0: That moment where she's where she's standing by the grave mm-hmm. and everybody else has gone. Mm-hmm. And it's that moment where you go, She still hasn't left her side. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is going to be the first moment Malin has to walk away mm-hmm. from Shelby. Yeah. Ever. Right. Yep. And it's the weight that's, that Sally Field carries mm-hmm. while she's does this whole movie. You see, she is the parent of someone who has been sick her whole life. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She has carried that her whole life. Her husband is great. But he hasn't carried that burden the way she has. She has that responsibility. There's a podcast I listen to, and it's a parenting podcast. And there's always a parent that's the president of everything. (laughs) And Melan was the president of everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... Drum got to shoot guns into trees for the wedding. That's all he did. Right. Meanwhile, she's running around like crazy trying to yeah. make sure the champagne glasses mm-hmm. aren't shattered. Right. Um. But it's... She... The whole movie, she's there. She literally gives her daughter a kidney.
1: Right. Exactly. So that
0: her daughter will survive. She mm-hmm. would give... Every, she right. gives everything to Shelby. Right. Just for her to still... Go and her sitting there reading magazines to her and doing her Jane Fonda right, workouts right. while she's still in the coma. I just can't handle it. I still, I just, I boohoo. Mm-hmm. The second they get into that hospital, you see her running towards the hospital.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I can't. It's, it's, it's Sally Field, that whole movie. She carries it. Mm-hmm. She's so powerful and strong and just i mean you couldn't have the the whole story without one of the characters all of the characters are important oh yeah yeah but sally field is i feel the main protagonist oh yeah
2: oh yeah Uh, definitely because i mean everyone rallies around her you know and even you know even to some degree um Shelby does I mean because well Shelby's kind of she's she's there and then she's gone you know she's you know this the movie or the in the play kind of all it changes scenery of when she's back in town up until the you know after her death or whatever but then it's still there for her funeral so she's still kind of there but um but yeah but it but it is she is that main yeah
0: she's and that that scene where she just has the breakdown Mm -hmm. and she says the line where she says that you know jackson he couldn't be there he couldn't handle Mm -hmm. it and drum couldn't be there he couldn't handle it and Mm -hmm. she goes these men are supposed to be made of steel Mm -hmm. but here she is she's the strong one she's the backbone Mm -hmm. and and she shows so little emotion throughout the entire movie not not no emotion but she's so stoic and strong Mm -hmm. and like stiff up her lip Mm -hmm. and and keeps everything close to her chest and she doesn't show her hands ever right right until that last moment Mm -hmm. and that what that's what makes that last moment so powerful oh
2: yeah yeah because it's all subdued it's building to that not not that you see those you know what you would say like cracks in the armor or anything like that like it Mm -hmm. wasn't Which I'll give, I will give the director some credit in the sense of directing them in the sense, whether he directed them or just their acting choices, but you weren't, he wasn't giving any signals like, eventually at the end, she's going to, you know, it's all going to come out. He just showed, you know, she, she, I think Sally Field, excuse me, I think Sally Field played that role of being, I'm going to subdue it until it's time to let that all out. And that was going to make that even more powerful. So, which was definitely, definitely that way. So,
0: oh, yeah. Oh yeah, she mm, every mm, can't. All right, so let's can't mo- express enough how much I love it.
2: Yes, all right, so let's move into our last uh, main character. Daryl Hannah was determined to win the role of Annel in Steel Magnolias, but the producers thought she was too pretty to believably play the role. And who said that Annel had to be ugly? I don't understand that part. But anyway, in order to convince them that she could do it, Hannah showed up at her next audition completely transformed into the character. Her make under was so thorough that security tried to keep Hannah out of the building. When she arrived to read for the producers, her gamble paid off and she won the role. Now I will say, and I love Daryl Hannah. I think she did. I think she did a great job, but I think they make a early on. They talk about her age and how young she is, but she looks older.
0: She looks a lot (laughs) older than what she's supposed to be. And, and that's no slight on Daryl Hannah. He's a beautiful woman. Um, but yeah, no. I've always thought that was yeah. strange that she's supposed to be so young. They make many right, comments, right? Uh, that she's possibly even younger exactly, than Shelby. Exactly,
2: exactly. And there's, there's just there's one scene where it's like Shelby and uh, Annel talking to each other, and I'm like, it's clear Daryl Hannah. Uh, yeah, Daryl Hannah is like at least five or six years older than Julia Roberts at <laughs> this time. So,
0: how much older is she actually?
2: I, you know what? I didn't look as I said it. I was like, I should have looked that up to see. So this we'll is the part now. of the show where. Bethany, Bethany Googles. Googles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Daryl
0: Hannah. Ah.
2: Well, while you look that up, I'll read this last little bit. The film cast includes four Oscar winners, Sally Field, Shirley MacLaine, Olympia Dukakis, and Julia Roberts, and two Oscar nominees, Dolly Parton and Sam Shepard, who played her husband. So.
0: Seven years older. Yeah. She's seven years yeah. older.
2: And clearly, seven inches taller, too. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> or she, more. Can't,
0: she can't help that. Um, right. I, right. I like the character of Anel, and she I serves do. that purpose of she's the outsider, which mm. you need in a movie so that you can explain things organically.
2: Right, right, right. Like, Did good exposition that way.
0: Because if she wasn't there why would we know why drum is shooting things like you wouldn't know that in the play. You would just hear Mm -hmm. guns going off and not know Mm -hmm. why. Um,
2: or details about Shelby's condition cuz she has the right the the moment in the in, in and in trying to figure out what what to do so she does she does provide good exposition to to move the story forward she so. does
0: and and all movies need that character they're exactly. not the most they're not the strongest they're not the most interesting she mm-hmm. she has this weird arc which I've yes. never quite understood I've never <laughs> followed it I and and okay here's here's my critical part is Anel is they have the moment during the Christmas time where Mm -hmm. she has like done her glow up and she's she's got her contacts Mm -hmm. and you know (laughs) she got nobody moves nobody Nobody moves
2: contacts
0: oh my god but yeah
2: which I have a question has anybody's contact ever really popped out of their eye where they're walking
0: in the eighties I'm sure okay I want to say. Just, I want to say, I remember stuff like that happening to my mom. I could be wrong. The early days of context. It could just be me remembering this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I I feel like I remember, like, if your eyes got too dry, it wouldn't just, like, pop out and land on the ground, but it would Mm -hmm. start to have to do that weird blinky thing.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Um,
0: All right, so I'm sorry
2: I interrupted you. Go ahead.
0: No, you're good. And then... The very next scene, all of a sudden, she is this, like, very fundamentalist Christian, mm-hmm. doesn't, like, becomes, like, over the top
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the point where everybody's rolling her eyes at, at her. And you just don't quite understand what the point of, I, I don't mind her being Christian, mm-hmm. but what was the point of her going kind of wild? Right.
2: Right. Yeah, it is it is when a She doesn't it is, even
0: really go that wild.
2: Right. It is a strange arc even in the sense and I think it, maybe you see it I see it more in the movie than in the play because it's kind of mm-hmm. alluded to. It makes it makes her a funny scene in the play where where she leaves and they have the conversation about <laughs> uh you know, was we she gonna, praying? Yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, about uh yeah, we're going to go to Vegas or she would go to a church camp and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um basically there but in the movie, you like you said, you see her where she comes in. She's you know, very self conscious, very n- not no no self confidence. Mm-hmm. And then like I said, she has her glow up, and she's like her look totally is totally different. And she's she looks like Daryl Hannah, right? And then like I said, it comes back, and then it's like she's kind of gone back to being a little bit more right, um, conservative. maybe not conservative, but then she's dating the guy. She's and then still in the movie, him. yeah, in the movie you can tell they're not right for each other. They, you know, she's obviously gone like straight holy roller, and he's like, "I'm still going to drink and do it, do what I want." And da da da. And then they're having a baby at the end, and I'm like, "Okay, they're married if you were, and they have right, a baby, right?" I'm like, "If you were really that conservative and you know wanted to be on the straight and narrow, you would know that the Bible says you're not supposed to be unequally yoked with somebody." That's, so <laughs> that so, is but, accurate. Yeah. So. You know, those the once again little nitpicky things we can critique yes. about, but it is an interesting. I agree, it's a very interesting arc that I'm. I'm not. I think there was something he was trying to say in there, maybe about the. I would even say like the the broad spectrum of Christians and mm-hmm. what they believe, because it's evident that they're all, especially in the movie, they're all they're, Christian. You see them all at church, and they're multiple all attending times. church. Right, multiple times, yeah. So there's different levels of commitment and understanding, and mm-hmm. this isn't that type of podcast where we're getting into <laughs> the, the different phases of religion. That's fine. But all I do have right. to
0: say is Sammy, bless his heart, he doesn't know whether to scratch his watch or wind his butt. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> Comic books have been around for almost a century. So join us for moving panels and I'll see you on the other side of the page. We talked about the characters and I guess we'll you know, we kind of do this in a lot of ensemble movies, but is there one character that stands out to you as your favorite or one that you think that you would relate the most to?
0: It it depends on my headspace when I watch it, and mm-hmm. it, it has definitely changed over the years. I, I kind of lean towards Malin now. Um Yeah. Even though I'm not a parent of older children, I still have that feeling of, like, protection. I've got to protect my babies, um, no matter what that means. And so, you know, right, I don't know how much detail Laramie gave you, but we were delayed recording tonight (laughs) because Lily threw up all over the couch.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, and so it's one of those things where she, her heart is so... It's it's all over the place. I, mm-hmm. That's a weird way to put it, but <laughs> when I was younger, I did not understand her. I thought she was mean.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh no, she's just scared to death constantly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Thinking of being a parent with a child that has not just type one diabetes, but any kind of medical condition mm-hmm. that's You know that's you know maybe not that severe. And she even says, you know, there's that line. She's like, you know, women with diabetes have children all the time. She's like, but you're special. So it kind of even said there's there's something there's a different there's a difference to her condition that maybe not the same as other people with type one diabetes. So, but all that just to say, any parent that has a child that has any kind of medical condition, you know anywhere on that spectrum of severe to slightly, you know, whatever, right. uh, there you're, you're always going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say scared, but more concerned or more protective, protective, protective yeah. is probably the best word for that. So, um, but yeah,
0: well, and then I, I think especially you, we meet Malin right when her daughter is leaving her for the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that brings this whole new level of fear of I'm mm-hmm. not going to be there next to her and the worst could happen and I won't mm-hmm. be there to catch her. Right. And right. the worst does happen. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Um it's just she's so strong and she she carries she carries her family and she takes care of them and she's a pain in the butt. She <laughs> she really is. But so is Shelby. So is ev- so is every person yeah. really yeah. in their own special way is a pain in the butt. But mm-hmm. but it's it's a relatable pain in the butt. It's a pain in the butt I can get behind.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say like I think my favorite character is probably Weezer, and I think only yeah. because she is the comic relief and she says the things that you want to say but you would never say, and you're thankful that she says it. Um, so like my, you know, my, still my favorite line is I'm not, uh, I'm not crazy Malin. I've just I've been, been, in, a been in a very bad, bad, mood, bad mood for, 40 for years. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'll be saying that when I'm 50. I know I will, you I'm, know, it's just, that's, that's going to roll off the tongue. It. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I'm
0: 32 and I still say it.
1: <laughs> so, um.
0: but
2: as far, but as far as like character, I think. I think I'm with you. Malin is probably, and once again, she's the anchor of the group. She's, she's the one everybody rallies behind. But honestly, this is, this one is tough because there's something in each character that you love and you appreciate. And you so it's see really yourself hard. in. Yeah. And it's hard to put one above the other because you kind of need all of them equally, you know, and mm-hmm. they're all, they're all needed. They're all necessary. And there's no character that's like, Oh, if you took this person out, the show, you know, you, you the show would go on or, you know, the story could, could, could advance. Right. And I don't see that with this. And I think each each one of them is important and vital and necessary for, well, the, and for the story.
0: Like we said, it's based on a play where it is just six right. women in right. one room mm-hmm. and it's completely dialogue driven. No mm-hmm. action oh, yeah. happens. Right. They just talk. Mm hmm. And so, yeah. yeah. So each of them is important because each of them adds to the story.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll, I'll throw this question since we're kind of talking about the play and the movie. Was okay. there anything in the movie as far as like maybe a location change or a dialogue switched around that you felt just didn't work as well? Do you think? Do you think the movie is a <sighs> is a I I'll never say the movie is better than the play, but are there parts of the movie that you felt like eh I, I could have done without that?
0: I don't know. That's really hard to say because I I was a fan of the movie long before I even knew there was a play.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, so I do find it interesting that they have Drum in there as kind of an antagonist to Weezer, which mm-hmm. I I wish they had let, because that's that's what Clary does. The majority mm-hmm. of Drum's lines are Clary's in the right. play. Right, right, and I kind of wish they would have let them stay with Clary. Mm-hmm. It was really just to give that actor who does a great job and he's oh yeah, Tom hilarious. yeah,
2: he's great in that. Um, you can tell he's having a lot of fun too, which is oh, which is always yeah. fun to see. It yeah. looks
0: like him and Shirley MacLaine are just having a blast, mm-hmm. like yelling at each other for. All the times <laughs> they're in front of each other. And I love that. I saw him at the Piggly Wiggly and I smiled at him the other day. mm mm-hmm. It was so good. Um, but, yeah, she... I, I do feel that it takes away from Clary giving a lot of those lines to drum. Because that was their relationship. And it leads up to the big finale of, here, hit Weezer.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: you... We can sell t-shirts saying I slapped Weezer Boudreaux. <laughs> you'll be the you'll be the hero pin, hero of Chickapin Parish. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So it it kind of leads up. They they still nitpick at each other a lot, but um yeah, I guess that would be my only thing is yeah. Is drum is in it and yeah. a lot of his lines are pulled directly from Clary.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting even for the beginning the beginning of the movie you kind of see drum before you see a lot of the other characters like they kind of you know he has kind of a not not a big part but you he has he's pretty he's more predominant in the movie at the beginning than than even his mention in the play.
1: So
0: although I, but, I will say cuz I want to say I watched this movie the night before I got married. Um <laughs> and my my dad threatened to scream when the pastor asked, you know, who gives this woman? Oh, <laughs> her mother and I do. Right,
2: right. Because he lost his hearing with all yeah. the firecrackers on the yeah. on the arrows. Yeah, I think the going back. I mean, are kind of remembering. I wasn't a. I wasn't as big of a fan of the ending of the movie. And I know this is kind of one of those things where, like, the it play kept going. Yeah, well, the play ends and it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of ends on the right note for a play.
0: Mm-hmm. But I,
2: that's probably not the best ending for a movie. Yeah. But the whole, you know, the like the whole extension at the at the Easter and the mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, now having the having getting ready to have the baby and all that kind of stuff. And then yeah. Truvy seeing that her husband got her the second location. It was just You yeah. know, once again, thinking about thinking about that's how movies are made. That's kind of what a movie needed for, it to, you know, to kind of check all those boxes for like hey, right. a successful movie has this, this and this for an ending. So but it, well, it still it it, felt out of place to me.
0: It, it had that circular ending it yeah you know milan had that line of life goes on right and it does go on because the movie starts at easter Mm
1: -hmm, and it ends
0: at easter and Mm -hmm. it begins with a wedding and it ends with a birth yeah and so instead of saying you know it begins with a wedding and it ends with a death it begins with a wedding ends with a birth life goes on it keeps moving forward And so, yeah, I will say that some of the weaker dialogue because I want to say all of that was written straight for the movie. Exactly, Um, yeah. Yeah. Although I do think it's funny. I always find it funny when Clary is reading the story to Jack Jr. Mm -hmm. And then Weezer walks up and (laughs) it freaks him out.
2: Jack slaps slaps Weezer (laughs) in the face.
0: Slaps the snot out of her. Right. So,
2: (laughs) yeah. All right, well, let's uh, let's jump into favorite scenes. I think we've talked a lot about the scenes already, so if there's anything that we didn't cover.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think. Okay, so there is this one scene, and I'm just going to say it because we haven't talked about it, and okay. it's hilarious, and it's just one of my many favorite scenes. Um, and it's when they're sitting around talking about Clary's nephew, who mm-hmm. oh, has yeah. recently come out of the closet as gay to his parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... It's almost word for word exactly the same in the play as right, it is in the right. movie. And Clary is talking about how she asked her, her nephew. She says, now in my day, you could always tell by the way a man dressed as mm-hmm. to whether or not he was gay. How do you tell now? And he said, all gay men are named Rick or Steve. Mm-hmm. And all gay men have track lighting. Right, And they all get a crack out of it, and then Weezer walks in, Mm -hmm. and Weezer asks, what are y'all talking about? And they say, oh, track lighting. And she says, Mm -hmm. oh, I love mine. My nephew got it for me. Oh, how's he doing? Oh, Steve's fine. Mm -hmm. And it just, it's beautiful. It's a great setup. It's a great setup. It's comic perfection.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That was always, even in the play version, that when they would start that scene, I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear the audience reaction to this. It's just, you know, you're waiting for that setup. So, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: And then, of course, you know, Anel gets upset and starts praying Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because all things.
2: Yeah, maybe she was praying because we was talking about Rick and Steve. Maybe she was praying because we were gossiping. Maybe she was praying because her cause... underwear is too tight.
0: Maybe she was praying because the elastics worn out in her pantyhose. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite, Tim?
2: Uh, my favorite, you know, I can't really say it's a fa- it mean, It's hard to say it's a favorite scene because it's not a happy scene. Uh, But the most iconic scene or the scene mm-hmm. that that I guess gets me is that scene in the, in the shop when uh, Shelby has the um, her episode with the, the diabetic okay. episode and and even watching it, even watching the movie and knowing I'd seen that, you know, I've seen the scene so many times at the theater, uh, you know, the the play theater and then seeing it on film again. Mm-hmm. It's just I get choked up. And I think maybe because I know eventually what happens yeah. at the end, it's like it's almost like it, it stirs that up, that emotion up already. But I once again, we talked about Julia Roberts executes that so mm-hmm. well. It's so well shot. It's so well edited, and and performances and think, are great. So
0: I think because I watched it today, or I watched it last week mm-hmm. in preparation for the podcast, and something hit me different because it's just mm-hmm. one of those movies where something will hit you differently. Oh yeah, yeah. And definitely. it's the fact that all six, or I should say, all five of the women respond. Mm-hmm. And yes. it's not respond and like a freak out. It's a, mm-hmm. how can I help? Here, I have candy. Right. Here, I mm-hmm. have juice. Here, I, I've i got a cookie. Can she eat mm-hmm. a cookie? Okay, here, let me clean this up for you. Don't worry about it. We've got this. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to fix your hair. We're moving on. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's a perfect, because I, I said this backstage during Green Room, during one of the performances, because during Green Rooms when we get all sappy and emotional, Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And um, I said, this, this show is important because it is the truest depiction of female friendship.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's women who are there for each other. It doesn't matter what walk of life they're from. It doesn't matter if they agree or disagree politically. They're mm-hmm. friends and they love each other. Mm-hmm. And they pick on each other and... I'm I'm doing this weird thing with my hands. <laughs> they
2: can't see you. It's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they love each other and they they pick on each other, and it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. it's real. It's how it's how I am with my real friends. Mm-hmm. It's not this drama business that you see in movies all the time. Right. Women are very rarely jealous of another woman's man. Mm. <laughs> they just aren't. Yeah. I hate to break it to you Tim, we're just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> we're you mean much
2: rom-coms aren't real? No. <laughs> but
0: but loving each other, being there for each other during the best times of their life, which like yeah. the wedding and cuz there are two weddings in the movie and then mm-hmm. there's the birth, there are two births in the movie. Right. And they're right. there for each other during those times and then at the worst possible times, they're still there for each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: hmm And that brings my heart so much joy. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree. I'm, I don't have anything to really to add to that. So, um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some trivia, and we'll start wrapping this up. Um, and I hate to even go this way, because it's going back to sad stuff again. But, okay. It was important to the production team that all the hospital scenes were as lifelike as possible though they ultimately decided against filming in the hospital itself in order to not get in the way of medical emergencies the film hired the actual medical team that cared for susan harling in her final days oh the same God. nurse who took you didn't know this okay no. the same nurse who took susan off life support turned the machine off for shelby harling said it added a sense of real gravity and reality to it all while filming the movie harling's parents were also present for a vast majority of the scenes There was one scene, however, they thought they might not want to relive, which was Shelby's death scene. On the contrary, Harling's mother insisted on being there. When he checked in with her after the scene was finished, she wasn't crying. He asked her why she insisted on watching it happen again, to which she responded, I wanted to see Julia get up and walk away. And I'm trying to hold back the tears
1: Uh because that's,
2: but yeah. Oh, and I think as you were talking about a minute ago, what I was gonna, what I was thinking about saying is like, I think what elevates this, and 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 backs up everything you're saying about it, it doesn't play to the cliches, it doesn't play to the tropes of women in on film, is that Harling. He based every single one of these women off of someone who was real. Right. They all, he changed their names, to, you know, and I thought it was funny. He's like, he never would, he would never say who Weezer was uh, based on. But after the movie, the play came out, and the movie came out, every woman in his town said, oh, he based Weezer on me, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Well, so you
0: know, Weezer gets a bad rap because she says what she means, but she's right. got a good heart.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that yeah. moment
0: when they realize she's been going through dialysis and they're, she's mm-hmm. about to have to get the kidney transplant. She feels mm-hmm. awful for talking about how she can't wait for her body to give out. She goes, I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. We've all had that oh, yeah. moment. Every human being on the planet has walked away from a situation and went, I should not have said that. I was not thinking. That was so insensitive.
1: Yeah,
0: And she even, you know, she hates drum. But she goes to the grocery store and she's buying stuff so that he will yeah. have food after Malin's surgery. Right. right.
2: Well, they even have that moment uh, at the end when, I think I think it's Weezer and... Um, Clary. Clarice are having, mm-hmm. Yeah, Clary are having that conversation and they walk by Drum, mm-hmm. who's got his back turned. Is like, you can tell she's like, I want to say something, but I don't really know what to say. So she just kind of nudges him and he turns and kind of smiles because they... They have that relationship yeah. where it's like, we're going to bicker and we're going to fight, but we love each other. And I know that I know that you care for my wife as much as I care for my wife. I know that you love my wife probably more so than I can love her in that, you know, we right. love her in different ways. And I respect the relationship y'all have. So And, even and though it wasn't she even feels spoken, the same
0: way about him, even though right. he drives her out. But that's the thing <laughs> is you can't yell at a person and get that angry at a person unless you mm-hmm. actually care about that person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she yeah. does she expects more from him and she's mad that he does not care about her dumb dog at the <laughs> beginning of the movie like she's about to kill him
1: right. but
0: right it's, you know she gets this bad reputation of being kind of the jerk but she's not she's yeah. just yeah. she's just says what she feels mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you know isn't always appreciated when you're a woman <laughs> yeah. there i said it
2: all right last last little trivia news then we'll get into the box office and critical reception i thought this was a good uh thing to end this part on uh shirley McLean actually takes offense when people label it a chick flick she said to say it's a women's film i don't think that's correct she told entertainment tonight in 2014 if you've got women in your life bring them to see this film and you'll know much more about them when you go home i think that's true so
0: i agree i agree Um, you know, I didn't even ask Laramie about his feelings on the movie, which, you know, it's fine. It's not for, it's, but. We'll have him on
2: for on Golden Pond and he'll share all
0: Yay. We are going to do on Golden Pond. Um, well, yeah, we'll talk about Steel Magnolias when we talk about on Golden Pond. Yeah, yeah.
2: If you, if you don't understand the on Golden Pond, go back to listen to our (laughs) nine to five episode that became a backdoor episode about on Golden Pond. But anyway, go ahead.
0: You know, it was an Easter egg. There you go. sneak preview teaser trailer (laughs) um so yeah i i mean my dad loved this movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know he's a manly dude and whatever but he he always enjoyed this movie i I mean he related to drum
1: yeah yeah but
0: i think part of it is he saw his mom he Mm -hmm. saw his sisters he saw me he saw my mom oh yeah his wife and my stepmom and You know, all of that, like, he saw everyone in it. Mm -hmm. And that's important. Oh, yeah. Like, to see... I mean, I watch superhero movies that are about people that are nothing like me, and I still enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, you can watch Steel Magnolias and enjoy it because it's about people you love. Right,
2: right. Like you said, you, you see each woman is going to remind you of some other woman in your life or, you know, it, it you or even some of yourself. I and mean, it's not just not to say you won't see yourself in them because mm-hmm. of course we do. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I
0: mean, you see yourself as a parent, mm-hmm. like, like Malin is a good depiction of what you want to be as a parent. And, you know, Clary or not Clary as much, but Weezer is a good indication of who I want to be when I'm <laughs> older. And it's just, she has a lot of respect for herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what Weezer is. She just has respect for herself and doesn't care what everybody else feels about her. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: All right, great. Well, let's move on to box office and critical reception to start wrapping this thing up. So the movie was released on November 17th, 1989, and entered the U.S. box office at number four that week behind Harlem Nights, Back to the Future Part Two. And look who's talking! Mm-hmm. It grossed over. It's a
0: big weekend. It
2: grossed over eight million dollars and stayed in the top ten for 16 weeks. It ended its theatrical run with a total take of over 83 million dollars. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 68% on the tomato meter and an 89% audience score. IMDb has 7.3 out of 10 with a 56 on Metacritic. So, I already know the answer to this question. Where are you more, Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb?
0: I'm more one hundred percent the best movie of all time,
2: <laughs> so even even eighty nine percent is too too low for you
0: It's too low. Yeah. I mean, you know this is an a plus movie, not a b plus movie right um all right it's just it's got more heart than a lot of movies that yeah you know technically rank higher
2: all right, so sequels and reboots we don't get to hit get hit ah, we don't get to hit this part on too many episodes, but I did want to share this. CBS aired a pilot episode of a Still Magnolias TV series in August of 1990, but the show never made it to a full series. Perhaps CBS should try again. When Lifetime put on its all African-American version of the film, starring Queen Latifah, Felicia Rashad, and Condola Rashad, it was the channel's third most-watched telecast ever.
0: And that was a good... That was a good...
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that one, so... I'm, per-
0: yes, it's good. You should watch yeah, it.
2: Yeah. At the, I remember... When I watched this one a couple, you know, a year ago, <clears throat> I was going to find the other one as well and watch it and didn't get around to it. So I'll try to watch it again. So
0: I would recommend it. I mean, obviously, the original still has a sentimental place in my heart. Oh, yeah. Because after a certain point, movies become more than just what's in front of you, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the history, it's the emotional connection you have with the people you've watched it with. Mm-hmm. And so that. That's the reason the original will always just have a special, special place in my heart. Yeah.
2: And I'm not really sure about the TV series because I, I think I saw a little bit about it. I didn't put it in the notes, but the cast was all women that I had been in other shows. So it was kind of a, I was like, well-known cast, but it was kind of TV women that you'd seen in other shows. Not, not nothing that were hit shows or whatever, but they did have someone in the role of Shelby. So I'm assuming it was supposed to be more of like a prequel or like before... Yeah. Just kind of the relationship of all of them, but then how do you get a Nell? I don't know, but uh, maybe that's why didn't it didn't make it it as a TV show. Flashback,
0: flashbacks, flashbacks.
2: Yeah, could be. So, but um, but then it made me think about designing women, and maybe there were some similarities there of that show and Still Magnolias. So yeah, that that's a good one. So, um, so it makes me wonder. wonder if designing women was somewhat inspired by Still Magnolias. Uh, that would
0: make a lot of sense just the strong southern women mm-hmm. there's something powerful in a strong yeah. southern woman <laughs> I wish I had it I meant to bring it with me I mean this uh, maybe I'll send put a post a picture on Facebook but I have the woman who played Weezer in our production she made me a handkerchief oh yeah and she embroidered it mm-hmm. and it's it says steel magnolia's on it and then it has Bethany Bethany Wells and then stage manager on it. It's just mm-hmm. really beautiful. And that cast,
1: <laughs> yeah. you know,
0: we're talking about a show, but the, that cast was so special. And mm-hmm. I've got this actual like little Magnolia pin that I have on my laptop bag. And, you know, I think that's what made it work so well is all the women in the show mm-hmm. were so special. And I think that's what makes this movie works so well yeah oh yeah all the six women are so special and beautiful and powerful and i don't know maybe they're just great actors but they all seem to get along really well with each other right, right. like that seems genuine their friendship seems genuine
2: yeah it's like when i think back to like you know in this episode and other episodes we don't especially movies with ensemble casts. i think about this one i think about goonies i think about mm-hmm. stand by me um those movies with ensemble cast, even saying, we'd even say nine to five as well. Yeah. There's something magical that happens when you have a, a great script, a great cast, great chemistry. Right. You know, great director, even though, you know, this director had some issues that we won't really jump into, but he was obviously successful. I mean, he, and he put, put together he a, a very, a good movie. Um, But I think that all that, kind of works together to make something magical happen for a film like this. So,
0: Well, and I mean, I know this is an 80s, so you, you can edit it out. But <laughs> Laramie and I talked about Josie and the Pussycats. Right. And the three Pussycats all were best friends. Like, they had done a band camp together. And so before they even filmed, the three of them became mm-hmm. friends. Right. And it, that reads on screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you... You're you're different with a person that you're actually friends with than a person you're pretending to be friends with. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, you're, definitely.
0: You'll sit in their lap and you'll play with them and you'll mess with them. And it's all stuff that's not in the script. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's stuff that you bring because you're playing with your friend. Oh, yeah. Not oh, yeah. you're pretending to be a friend of someone.
2: Right. It makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Makes a big difference.
0: And, I mean, so. there's that little subtle scene right after Shelby's told everyone that she's going to be having a baby mm-hmm. and the rest of the women are con- consoling Milan. Yeah. And they oh, put yeah. their hands on top of <clears throat> each other. And that's something friends do. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's another great scene for sure.
0: Yeah. So. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's friendship. Like that's what the movie is about. It's friendship. And it's just how to be a good friend. Watch yeah. Steel Magnolias and take notes.
1: There you go.
2: Well, in the immortal words of the... Golden Girls theme song. Thank you for being a friend, <laughs> Bethany Wells, and thank, thank you for being you, a part Tim. of the podcast. So this has been a lot of fun for a movie that is a lot of fun, but also very dramatic. And we've had our cheerful mm-hmm. moments, but um, I appreciate you being on here and talking about Still Magnolias. And so,
0: thank you so much for having me.
2: Looking forward to having you back. We've got another another good one coming up in a couple of months that oh. we'll get to talk about. So, and it's <laughs> not on Golden jerker. Pond. I'm saving on I'm Golden Pond saving. for season three. <laughs>
0: season three, all right. Bring it, bring it back, everybody. Bring back season or make season three happen so that right. I can talk right. about on Golden Pond. It's the quick ha- anchor.
2: Yeah, hashtag <laughs> release season three. Eighties for classic. Make well, go viral. So, yes. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message through the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. If you do leave us a message, we may just use it in an upcoming mini episode. Another way to reach us is through the new 80s Flick Flashback Podcast Facebook page, as well as our Movie Views Instagram. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating, leave us a stellar written review, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. No matter which podcasting platform you're listening to us on, be sure to read the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into this episode. That's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80's flick flashback.